200 accredited courses and more than 1,000 videos, the Police One Academy is a powerful online solution that provides department training programs with features that reduce time spent on records and policy management, credential tracking, and more. It is law enforcement training made simple and effective. For more information and to get a 30-day trial, visit www.policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hey, this is Jim Dudley. Jim, happy anniversary. Happy 20th anniversary. 20th anniversary of Police One. Uh, 20 years ago, roughly around this time of year, um, Alex Ford and a very small band of um, essentially internet pirates uh, started this fantastic venture that has become a, a, a literally an internet sensation. Um, a lot of things have transpired over the course of the last two decades, and I think it's useful for us to reflect on the kinds of things, uh, the topics, the you know the the headlines, because it's been you know you were you were still on the job when Police One came on. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, like, what are some of the things that, in your memory, has you know kind of transpired in the last two decades? Well. First off, I think before Police One, our training came by way of um, posts, the state posts and speakers um, that you sort of got what you got. And uh, I think I have 20 on 20. And one of the, the most important is the accessibility of training, of good trainers, of experts, of videos, of 3D imaging, um, presentations, that, that there's so much good training material now and officer safety uh, bulletins and alerts. Um, I mean, uh, Keith Graves, uh, mm-hmm. you know, one of our experts at P1 and his narcotics training is invaluable. Uh, uh, the force experts that we have, you can rattle them off. Um, Buck Savage. Yep. Uh all these guys are just amazing, and um, you know any officer can click on and review the materials and get get up to date briefings. And, and to your point on on training and the evolution of how it is distributed, you know um, the Police One Academy, you know, which is a, an incredible force uh, multiplier for you know just getting different updates. Uh, for Science Institute, you right, know, the, right. the, the, the various different kinds of um, people who go out. You mentioned Buck Savage. You mentioned uh, Keith Graves. The, the guys and gals who go out there and do actually in-person training, that's invaluable. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's it, the evolution of online training um, has been remarkable. And it's I think the Police One Academy has been around for around 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the catalog of information that you can access – um, and the, and the re- real time reporting, right. you know, the agency can now be updated on who's taken what courses and what kind of information they've got. Sure, you know, and we have 250 episodes in the hopper for policing matters. So if that's worth anything, if you have trouble getting to sleep, I suggest you go back to our archives. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, um, besides the training, uh, the internet advances. Um, I was thinking about what's what's happened over the past twenty years. Uh, social media access—the fact that any agency can push a button and just get a false force multiplier with their community, uh, learning about something that makes them safer 
or puts eyes on the lookout for someone you're looking for, um, keeps them out of the area. Uh, the social media aspect is huge. Um, I think as far as investigative work, the you know since the fingerprint right at the last turn of the century, we have the DNA database. Mm-hmm. Um, problem-solving tools that we're using where we don't even need the DNA of the actual suspect. If we find an unknown suspect's DNA at a crime scene, we can search these uh, like ancestry, ancestry databases, yep. right? And we can we can find out the families and then go backwards from there. So uh, the DNA uh, innovation and the, the way that some of these detectives have started using them, great breakthroughs, great cold case solving, yep. Uh, cold cases is another one of our topics, but um, DNA, uh, as long as we still have it, um, we can probably still solve the crime. Um, robots, I, oh, yeah. I won't go into the 20 on 20, but I mean, robots and technology are repeated over and over again. Robots that help with you know bomb searches, with uh, drones for air searches, areas that you can't get people into, search and rescue situations. Um and we've only scratched the surface. I'm sure you'll admit that um, the technology um, is hindered only by um, maybe some opposition by civil libertarians or others who who think that we should be using technology. Like even there are people objecting to law enforcement having access to open source material of databases. And... Um, uh, certainly, there's uh, some expectation of privacy in your own home, but out in the public, there really isn't. So the drone restrictions that we have in place now, the facial recognition um, constraints that we have, uh, I'm hoping that once we fine-tune them, that we'll be able to have broader access. You know, and I think that to your point about the evolution of various technologies, we're kind of still on the cusp of some of these things really coming to fruition, like facial recognition. We've talked about that before. Right. Um, it, it is not yet perfected. Um, uh, UAVs, right? So you have UAVs that can fly into buildings, uh, that can do uh, searches, but you also have UAVs that can go under the canopy of trees that helicopters can't see. Right. Right? And even if you have FLIR or, you know, other technologies in a helicopter, you might not find a person who's lost in the woods, you know, yep. an at-risk child or an at-risk, you know, Alzheimer's adult. Right, right. Uh, so these technologies that are evolving, you know, 20 years ago didn't exist at all. Right. Right? I mean, right. the the notion of, quote, a drone in finger quotes was something that was like, that was science fiction yeah. at the time. The future. The future. But we're, the future is now. And the future is, you know, we're, we're continuing to evolve things. And right. I, I think about one of the things that occurs to me is the evolution of the police vehicle. And all of the stuff that's in the trunk, all of the stuff that's in the front seat, all mm-hmm. of the stuff that's, you know, dash cams were just kind of the thing at the time. Yep. Right. Now we got body cameras. Right. Now we got cameras that are on all four sides of the vehicle. Right. That can see 360 and, and record all of this stuff. And you're collecting all of this incredible data. You've got uh, license plate readers on the tops of squad cars. You've got all of the different technologies that 20 years ago when Police One began were just someone's kind of like weird idea. Right. You know, you talk about um, Rick Smith over at Taser International and now Axon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were beginning the evolution of kind of, the, I think it was the X20. 
I, I don't remember precisely which um, taser was in use at that time. I well, it was I, the rifle, wasn't it? The rifle first. Was it really? Yeah. Like, Twenty years ago. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but now there, Axon is leading so many interesting things outside of less lethal. You know, the the databases and you know the recording devices right. and all of that um, information sharing. Right, and you bring up a good point of the improved weaponry that's helping protect officers. So we're talking about less lethal. We're talking about improved pepper spray, um, pepper spray that sticks, that marks, uh-huh. that colors, that um, can render uh, an offender um, blind or powerless, uh, depending on, on their disposition. Um the, the CEDs or the Axon that, that we talked about, um, much more effective video capabilities the minute you put your finger on the trigger. So you're capturing when you should be giving somebody a charge mm-hmm. and it's all there. So I think in, in today's world where the credibility of one-on-one confrontations between an offender and a police officer are often uh, given scrutiny where in the past that officers were taken at their word, now it is invaluable that they have the body cam footage that, in my opinion, and I think the studies have shown, m- work much more in the advantage of the law enforcement Absolutely. officer. And then now you have the technology on the tasers or the axon uh, weapons that start recording the incident before the, the trigger's pulled. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if we're getting to, you know, in the weeds with the technology, I, I just don't want to fly by the iPhone technology or the smartphone technology that just about every officer has. And whether it's an approved device by the agency or their own phone, uh, in, a, in an emergency situation, so maybe you have a, an agency that says, do not use your own phone while on duty. Mm-hmm. Um, in some places, that may be all you have if you're waiting sure. for a forensics team to come out and something you want to take a picture of is on fire or falling down a cliff or being destroyed by the elements, you have that phone to Mm -hmm. document. And the clarity, the graphics is so great. The access to databases, the communication um, powers that they hold, much better technology than we had. I mean, I remember, you know, the, the Maxwell Smart Brick phone Back in the day. I remember the Motorola flip phone when that was a really, really cool thing. Back in the day, you and I each had pagers. Remember what the pager was like? I remember when the pagers came out. I wanted one. Yeah. Uh, So another one of the things that I was thinking about in terms of technology uh, that's evolved over the last uh, 15 or 10 whatever years is Star Chase. You know, that we've talked about pursuit policy and, and discontinuing pursuits. And, you know, the opportunity to use things like that yes. to track a vehicle to its, you know, final stop yeah. where, it, where yeah. it comes to. Now, the driver may be gone. You know, let's let's right. freely admit that, but we can at least locate the vehicle. Right, right. Right, and body armor. You know, back in the day when you first started wearing body armor, probably in, I'm going to guesstimate, the middle 80s, uh, 80. <laughs> um, it was heavy, bulky, uncomfortable, didn't breathe. No shock plate? Exactly. Now we've got body armor that is flexible and it's more comfortable. And it's because the evolution of the technology has, you know, developed. And the coverage. Yeah. I think the coverage, oh, yeah. more, more importantly than anything else, instead of a, I don't know, a 12-inch by 16-inch rectangle that covered your center mass... 
I mean, now we have wraparound, really lightweight body mm -hmm. armor that's awesome mm -hmm. and saving lives. Um, common operating technology or common operating platforms, going back to the drones, to the robots, we can put cameras and things in warm and hot zones where we used to put people or observers. And so now we can use technology to keep eyes on a critical incident or mm -hmm. situation. Uh, we can throw a, uh, a ball uh, with a camera and a listening device. I won't get too, too heavy into the details because um, there's still some technology that we don't get out there. But right. um, uh, triangulation technology, tracking technology, um, crime mapping, uh, you know, you hear what you hear about um, stop and frisk. And Comstat kind of cops on dots yeah, kind of and, data. Right. And so if you use the, uh, the data mm -hmm. to show where the hot spots are and you put the cops on the dots, as they said in New York, then you really can't be faulted. I mean, you, you'll still be criticized, but you can't be faulted in reasoning and being efficient in seeing where the crime is and putting your resources most efficiently at those areas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One of the things also that I think has developed over the course of the last several years, um, and this is pretty recent development, is a lot of um, cross-training and multi-jurisdictional, multidisciplinary. you know, Urban Shield is no longer what it used to be, but mm -hmm. for a number of years, Urban Shield was the model for everybody working together and figuring out how, you know, you respond to any and all threats, right? right? Whether it's terrorism or a, a calamity of, of nature's, you know, man-made or nature. Exactly, and we're you know we're currently recording this when the NBA, the Major League Baseball, the NCAA, all of these hockey, hockey, all of these leagues are shutting down due to this coronavirus. Right. But now that we've got um, law enforcement, fire, EMS, public health, public health. Uh, all having had the experience of working together in an emergency type scenario yeah. in training, yep. I think we're better prepared than yeah. we were 20 years ago. Oh, totally ahead of the curve. And it was, uh, you know, as much as the public sees police and firemen walking down the street holding hands, we know that wasn't always the case. No, they're boxing. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yes, they are like brothers, like the brothers that can't stand each other. Uh, no, but uh, in training, it works. And we've always said you don't want to meet your opposite number on the field of battle. You want to form that battle plan mm -hmm. in advance. And we and have, have those relationships. Yeah, existing. and so through, yeah. through uh, the National Incident uh, Management System, NIMS and ICS, the incident um, system that it works. And we have plans in place. And we have these a playbook that we could throw out there and then adapt to the scene that we have unfolding. Right, right. And and it's, you know, I, I mentioned Urban Shield because I've been involved with it for a number of years, so up until, you know, it stopped being what it was. Um, but there's so many other types of training that are taking place um, across the country, locally, where it's, you know, two or three different agencies, the Sheriff's Department, the Police Department, the Fire Department, and the EMS provider, the private EMS provider even sometimes, right. that are just getting together on a Saturday and gathering at a school or some other public building that's, current, that's closed at the time where they can kind of go through a scenario and just even just do a walkthrough. Right. It's, it, it, you don't, it doesn't have to be complicated. And there's so many ways in which, and again, I go to the Police One Academy, um, there's so many ways in which you can look at video 
and replicate that training with your own kind of training group. Right? Sure, sure. And nobody gets hurt, exactly. hopefully. Yeah, right. <laughs> so last two things I have. Um, mission creep, yet life-saving equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talked about the radio car, the cruiser, the prowler that is just full of stuff, right? We've got the Thule or the Yakima racks on top now with shotguns. I'm just kidding. But you know what I'm talking about. Well, we're getting about. there. <laughs> so since uh, 2000, uh, CPR was about all we had in the bag. Mm-hmm. Maybe a first aid kit. A lot of times guys brought their own first aid kits. Um, now we've got Really good first aid kits. AEDs. AEDs. Narcan. Narcan, naloxone, mm-hmm. tourniquets, gunshot, um, you know, blotting uh, material. Yep. Yep. Um, so many things that can save the life of other officers or civilians um, or uh, family members even. I, I mean, mm-hmm. so many cops I've talked to who've gone to CPR or AED training and off-duty, at a swimming pool, at a picnic, at a park, right. have used them to save the lives of their own family members. I think that's awesome. And I think uh, uh, I want to talk about personnel a little bit just as we kind of exit out of this uh, segment. Um, you know, since 9-11, um, the people who have joined law enforcement, the, the, there's so much criticism of, quote, millennials and putting fingers, quotes, in the air. Yeah. But they're so service-oriented. These men and women, you know, when you joined the job and, you know, for decades and decades prior to that, um, cops and firefighters and the MTs and doctors, public service, public service people, have been very service-oriented. But following 9-11 and the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, we have people coming back and they are well-trained in in, in field service, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, in, in field medicine. Right. Um, and they're also, they're just highly motivated to serve the community, right? Right, right. And I think that also translates into my last point, active shooter. Mm-hmm. So active shooter response. Um, we've gone up and down uh, the scale on our response from... You know, the, the 1960s uh, clock tower shooters. In Texas, yeah. Just everybody stay where you are, and we'll get specialists to go storm the well, building. That, and that was in Columbine as well. Right. No, and, and so, you know, we think we've made these great advances, but we, we went to, okay, then let's surround, get the specialists in there, and then let's get a diamond formation and move in. And now we're telling individual cops, we're going to give you the training so you can go in yourself mm-hmm. and get to the threat. And I think that's where we need to be. Um, We can't afford to wait when people are getting killed in schools, when kids are getting killed. Um, And anybody who says uh, they didn't sign up for it, I think they should take a look at the job description. Reassess that, you know, and and to your point, the single officer response to, um, to an active shooter, uh, Dan Marku, our colleague from police one, uh, he coined the phrase, the Justin Garner formation. Justin Justin Garner went in by himself into the old folks' home. I believe it was in North Carolina, South Carolina. can't remember precisely. But Justin went in basically with his handgun. And, and Janine Assam was uh, in the church, uh, the New Life Church in Colorado. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she wasn't even a sworn officer at the time. She was a retired officer. Um, but these individuals responded solitary and, and ended the threat to, 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 you know, to human life. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, thank you for your duty out there. I mean, 20 on 20, this is the 20th anniversary. I think it's platinum this year. I think so. Um, I think every year we have a lead uh, or at least an iron anniversary. Steel. Uh, steel. <laughs> Polymer. <laughs> Parkerized. Exactly. Uh, Jim, thank you very much for your partnership on the Policing uh, Matters uh, podcast. It's now 20 minutes we've covered, 20 years. It's impossible to cover all 20 years in just 20 minutes. Yeah, so so what do you have? What do you see? What do we miss? Uh, write us. Yeah, send us an email to policingmatters at policeone.com. That's policingmatters at policeone.com. Thank you again for listening. Thank you.